You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, animal advocate, writer, and human companion to Max A. Pooch, canine crusader for animals and the environment. Max and I thank you for joining us, and we dedicate this episode as we dedicate every episode to those amazing people who work to save the lives and or improve conditions of companion, domestic, or wild animals. Our guest today is Barbara Teckel of Joyful Paws and author of Through Frankie's Eyes. We'll learn about Joyful Paws, why Barbara became an animal advocate, and why she advocates for dogs with intervertebral disc disease, and to keep it simple, IVDD. However, before we meet Barbara, we'll take a break for this word from our sponsors. When we return, we'll meet her and learn more about Joyful Paws and IVDD. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm Keith Sanderson, your host, and our guest today is author and animal advocate Barbara Teckel. Barbara, can you tell us a bit about Joyful Paws? I can. Thanks so much for having me today, Keith. I'm really excited to be here and talk about Joyful Paws and IVDD. Joyful Paws is actually, I guess you could say, is my my brand name, but it all began when um, I decided to become a writer in, when I was about 40 years old, and to write about animals and the connections we have with them and the things that they teach us. I can understand that because that's sort of how I got into this animal advocacy is I adopted a dog and I thought I was teaching him things and it turned out he not only <laughs> taught me things but repurposed me. So, so Right. They, you know. I, I can totally relate to what you just said. That's exactly how my life has been too. With The dogs in my life have taught me so much and I've become a better human being because of them and that's, that's how Joyful Paws was born. Can you tell me a little bit about, how do you pronounce it, intervertebral disc disease, IVDD? Yeah, you know, I'm not always quite sure either. I refer to the IVDD, but I believe it's intervertebral or intervertebral disc disease. But it is a back issue, which is very common. Um, you do hear of it more often in dachshunds, but any long 
any dog that's got the long back and usually lower to the ground, like basset hounds and corgis. But it can really, you know, happen in other dogs as well, but it's more prone to those type of dogs. And it's actually a degenerative disease, and it affects um, the spine and the discs. And because of their long backs and maybe issues such as you know, jumping up the, on the furniture and off, up and down stairs. Over time, that pressure on the discs, what can happen is um, a disc can actually rupture. And when that happens, you know, it's either surgery or conservative treatment that is required. And sometimes the dog actually does end up being permanently paralyzed. Wow, that's too bad. You know, I, when we were first married and living in Wisconsin, uh, we had a, a basset hound. And uh, mm. fortunately, Watson, his name was Watson J. Holmes. <laughs> Watson never uh, suffered from that. In fact, I never had heard about it until recently. And, you know, if I'm an owner of a, of a basset or a, other long-body dog, what should I look for in case that, you know, since those breeds are uh, apt to or uh, more prone to uh, get IVDD. Right. I was the same as you were. I had no idea. I mean, I knew like a very, very little bit. What I really knew was dachshunds could have back issues. What that totally entailed, I had no idea. So I was very uneducated. And I guess my advice to anybody that has those type of dogs is education is key. Because if you know what you're dealing with and what to look for, you know, your chances, of course, are better at helping that dog as soon as possible. And one resource that I always give that was really helpful to me when I faced a situation is Dodgers List. Dodgers, like, I think there's a baseball team called Dodgers. I'm not a big sports fan, but it's D-O-D-G-E-R-S list.com. And they're an organization, all volunteer-based. Um, they do have some veterinarians on staff as well that have helped them. But what they do is they educate the public about this disease and your options should this happen to your dog and things that you can do. You can't really prevent it. Um, if it's going to happen, it's inevitable. But there are certain things like maybe not having your dog go up and down stairs as much or trying to keep them off the furniture or having ramps so, and training them to go up and down the ramps. But that resource is so very vital and so helpful. And you yourself, if you know of the organization, can request brochures from them and then take those brochures to your local veterinarians and give them the information so they have it when clients come in as well that may be facing this situation. Well, that's good advice. Hey, I was while you were talking, I was wondering, you know, if since this appears to be a genetic disease exacerbated because of the breed, if I'm out looking for a doxy or a basset hound and talking to a breeder, would I be looking for family history of this disease? Would that be helpful? That would be very, very helpful. It's not always easy to obtain. That is part of one of the theories is the breeding issue that they are overbred and they're not being bred correctly. There's nothing concrete, but that is one of the things that you definitely want to try and take a look at and go with a very reputable breeder and try and get the history. And you said there was a, no cure, but there's therapy. What's some of the things you do if, if you have a dog with IVDD? Well, a dog with IVDD, I currently have a, a new little one named Gidget, and um, what we do is we do water therapy, and um, I live in a very small town of about 950 people, so unfortunately, I don't have a facility. There are facilities that do water therapy, but I don't have one nearby, So, but what you can do, you can actually just fill your bathtub with water and do water therapy in there, 
or if it's warm enough, which it isn't this time of year in Wisconsin, you can actually take a children's swimming pool and do different types of exercises in the pool to help help their back legs. Um, and it depends, you know, how far along they are. You know, if they're completely paralyzed, of course, you're going to have to, you know, have some sort of swing to support them. But again, I'm going to always refer people back to Dodgers List because they have tons of information there. And they have videos and articles. And other things you can do is acupuncture. You can also do physical therapy with them and various range of motion exercises, you know, just to try and give you an idea. Sort of like people doing knee bends. You do knee bends with the dog, moving their leg up and down in big circles. Um, Massage helps as well. And I guess that's all I can think of right now. But those are quite a few different types of therapy you can do for them. Well, that's great to know. And again, refer back to Dodge's list. Now, that's out of curiosity, is that just about IVDD or does that have? Yes. uh, Okay. No, it's exactly about IVDD. And now, why and how did you become an advocate for dogs with IVDD? What's the story (laughs) behind that, Barbara? Yeah, never thought I would. I never under, you know, like I said at the beginning, I didn't know anything about this disease. And um, I had a dachshund named Frankie. And I got her from a breeder, and um, when she was six and a half, she ruptured a disc in her back. And I was completely uneducated, knew nothing about it, and, you know, my little Frankie ended up going into surgery with about a 10 to 30% chance of actually recovering and using her back legs again. But what I came to find out is I was uneducated, and my vet knew general things, but not, you know, what I could do for therapy and how to take care of her going forward. So as she was having, after she had the surgery, I went online, I went to the internet, and I started Googling the information, and I found Dodger's List. And through what I learned, I came to understand that a lot of people are like me. They don't know about this disc disease, and more importantly, they don't know about their options. And unfortunately, what happens a lot is the dog is actually put to sleep when they could have gone on to live a quality life. So it just became really important to me to do whatever I could to get the word out about Dodger's List as well as myself personally. I, you know, have talked to many, many people by phone, no matter where they are in the country, and um, giving them hope that, you know, there are options. And a lot of times, you know, surgery isn't always necessary. We an option for people due to cost. It keeps rising every year, but there is conservative treatment, which has helped many dogs. And it just really became a passionate passion of mine, you know, because I saw what a great life Frankie lived and a quality life that she lived. And I ultimately, I just want to help save dogs. I want to help save them and help them live longer lives, even if they get this diagnosis. Well, that's great. Now I understand why in uh, your website where it talks about you, that you say Joyful Paws represents what you've learned about life from your wheelchair-bound Dachshund Frankie, as well as the other pets have helped you along the way. And as we were talking about before, I can relate to that because Max A. Pooch, when I was training him, he actually was training me and recycling (laughs) and repurposing me. And it's an amazing thing that happens when humans and their canine companions connect, isn't it? It is. It's I think it's astounding, and I just, I really, you know, I I wouldn't wish this upon anybody for this to happen, but, you know, what I learned through that and the bond, I actually, you know, created even a deeper bond with Frankie through everything we went through, and I'm just so grateful. I'm really grateful for everything I got to learn from her and just consider her one of the biggest blessings I've ever had in my life. 
May I ask, was it partially due to her sort of can-do, optimistic attitude and never seeming to be down on life? Is that her personality? Yeah, well, that was, was definitely... that, that one reason oh. that helped change you because that's the way she acted? Oh, def- oh my gosh, definitely. You know, I, I really struggled myself personally with, you know, one of the big issues was worrying what others thought of me. And Frankie taught me two big things. One was when you have a challenge, you have a choice of how you're going to look at that challenge. And she taught me to look for the blessings in every challenge. And, you know, that being negative isn't going to change the situation. It just makes it worse. And the other thing she taught me was really to be proud of who I am because when I saw her walking around in her little wheelchair, she didn't even know she had wheels as back legs. And in my area, again, and in a lot of, you know, areas, you don't often see dogs in wheelchairs. And I worried uh, that people would judge me or they would think I was mean for putting my dog in a wheelchair. So... As I went through that whole process, it was so intriguing and fascinating to me how I would watch her just tooling around in her little wheels. And I thought, gosh, well, she's not embarrassed about being in a wheelchair. She's happy. She gets to chase the squirrels and smell the grass. And it just struck me one day that I have the same choice. I can be proud of who I am. And it totally changed me and helped me with so many situations. Well, that's really great because instead of worrying about what's encumbering us, we should be thinking about what we can do. And and that's really a good lesson, isn't it? It's an amazing lesson, yes. Now, you're a busy lady, and one of the things I understand you did is to start a National Walk and Roll Day. Walk and Roll. I always want to say (laughs) rock and roll, but it's Walk and Roll Day. (laughs) I think that's so ingrained in our brain. What's that all about? National Walk and Roll Dog Day, I actually, Frankie passed away in June of 2012, and I had done so much work with her around, you know, around IVDD, as well as we had visited over 350 schools personally, and we did Skype visits, and she was a therapy dog, and, you know, she just had such a positive impact on so many lives and her little wheels. And I just wanted her to have a legacy. And I wanted, I was trying to think, how could I continue my work when she was no longer here? And that's when I came up with the idea of a national day, a national day of observance. And it isn't Frankie's legacy, but it's also to honor all the dogs in wheelchairs around the world. Because every time I see a photo of one or I hear a story, they are so inspiring And I just wanted to have this special day to continue to try and bring awareness that even though a dog has a wheelchair, just like a person, they can still have a quality life. And it's so important to me to continue the work that Frankie and I began and to keep that mission going. Now, when is National Walk and Roll Dog Day? It is observed every September 22nd. Okay, well, we'll have to remember that. And uh, Yeah, and we do have a Facebook page, so anybody who's interested in following along, uh, you know, I post stories and photos there, and anybody who has a dog in a wheelchair, please send me photos and stories because I love sharing that. And it's you just have to go to Facebook and look for National Walk and Roll Dog Day. And it's not the word and, it's the letter N, National Walk and Roll Dog Day. Okay, and we need to take a break right now, but I hope our audience will stay with us, and we'll be right back. And Barb is going to tell us a little more about dog wheelchairs, how much they cost, and other information about uh, what helps these little guys get around. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. 
Audible.com makes it easy to stay well informed and catch up on your reading simply by listening. Audiobooks from Audible turn downtime into uptime. You'll be more productive and become well read. Now I'm able to catch up on all the great books I've been wanting to read. With Audible, I feel smarter. Pet Life Radio listeners, try audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to audibledeals.com. That's audibledeals.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber from Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to hear from you. Listen in. We're on every Thursday, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time here on PetLifeRadio.com. We are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. I know that's hard to believe. It can it even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already. The goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe it was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Call in. We'll see you here on Thursdays. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates. And I'm Keith Sanderson, your host. And with us today is Barbara Teckle. And she's going to tell us what a dog wheelchair looks like and a little bit about their cost. What's it look like, Barb? I, you know, I did go online and look one up, but uh, I'm mm-hmm. sure a lot of our audience really can't quite figure out how they attach the dog and, and how they work. Right. I have to tell you, when um, when Frankie was going into surgery after her diagnosis of um, the disc disease, and one of my questions to the, the vet surgeon was, well, if she doesn't walk again, you know, what's her quality of life going to be like, and how is she going to move around, you know, without the use of her hind legs? And she said, well, they make dog wheelchairs, or they call them dog carts or dog wheelchairs. And I said, well, what, what is that? And she said, well, it's similar to like a wheelchair for people, but they're made for dogs. And that's all we really had said. So I was trying, like you, to picture in my head, well, what in the heck do these things look like? But, you know, I trusted that, okay, there's another option and we'll be fine. But So a dog wheelchair, I prefer and, and always recommend a custom-made wheelchair. And especially when you're dealing with a back issue and a spine, you want to keep that, that spine in alignment. You want the chair to be counterbalanced so you're not putting too much pressure on the front end of, you know, the dog and their chest and their legs. But they, um, the company that I always recommend is Eddie's Wheels out of Massachusetts. And they are made out of aluminum and the, the sidebars. Boy, it's hard to describe on the phone. <laughs> like. But they have a strap that goes around the front of the dog's chest to keep that in place, which is hooked to the two aluminum bars. And there's a bar that actually goes over the top of the dog. And then once you put that over the top, there's two pins that you slide in that keep that keep everything in place. And then on the back part is sort of like a saddle. And the saddle has two openings in it for each of their legs. And then the wheels, you know, there's two more rods that come off that saddle. And then the wheels are in the back half. So when the dog walks with their front legs, the wheels pull along. Now, 
Another interesting thing to this, now there's many animals that either are born that way or things happen where they may lose their front legs. So I like to call them front-wheel drive wheelchairs, um, (laughs) and those are made just the opposite, where there's like a a saddle. Of course, there's no openings in the front then. It's usually just like a, a pocket, and then they sit in the front part where their legs would be that aren't, and the wheels are on the front, so then they push with their back legs. Well, very interesting. Now, are these very expensive? It really depends on the size of the dog and what you're dealing with, but they range anywhere from about 450 Well, if you've got a really tiny dog, you're probably looking at about 350 up to about $1,500 for a custom-made wheelchair. Wow. So for a family, uh, that could be a pretty big expense on top of the vet bills and everything else. And Right. I understand that in honor of Frankie, you started the Frankie Wheelchair Fund. And can you tell us a bit about that? I did. I'm so, so grateful for a friend of mine who had suggested it when I knew that Frankie was getting ready to leave this world. And um, I, she had developed quite the fan following. And my friend said, you know, you really should consider starting a fund because people are going to want to do something in her honor. And I'm so grateful I did that. And that's how the Frankie Wheelchair Fund began. And I've kept it going um, with fundraisers and just trying to get the word out. And so it's just a, it's a wheelchair fund that people can contribute to. And the funds then are passed along to Eddie's Wheels when I get in contact with somebody who is in, has a dog in need of a wheelchair. And the people that I try to help are people that are in financial stress. You know, just like you said before, a family has gone the whole route. They've done the therapy, they've done, you know, the surgery, and they're out of money and, you know, they need help. The other thing I try and do is help um, a dog that is in rescue that, you know, the potential of helping increase their odds of finding a new home if they they have a wheelchair that comes with them. So those are the different types of people that the, the wheelchair fund helps with that. I didn't even think of rescue because I'm sure that a doxy or a breed that comes in with uh, IVDD would be uh, at a shelter, at a kill shelter, would be the number one candidate to uh, be uh, euthanized if there's not enough room. Exactly. Um, That's my new little dog, Gidget, actually. She was in an animal shelter. Luckily, a, a rescue picked her up, and then I adopted her. But, yeah, that happens a lot, unfortunately. And we did help. I always say we because Frankie was part of this, and I always include her when I say it. But we helped a little dog out in California through a rescue. Her name um, was Darla, and um, she her family could no longer care for her, and they she needed wheels. So they contacted me and said, could you help? I said, absolutely. And so far, I've been able to help 18 dogs. And it, that I'm typically contacted in regards to dachshunds or smaller dogs, which that way, obviously, I can help a few more dogs because the wheelchairs aren't quite as expensive. Sure, sure. And you're also the author of an award-winning book called, uh, or titled Through Frankie's Eyes. Uh, what's that book about? And you also have written some other books. Can you uh, share yeah. with us a little bit about your, uh, your writing? Sure. I actually started out and I wrote children's books. And I had wrote two children's books about Frankie. And that's when I did all the work visiting schools with her and helping kids see their challenges in a positive way. And as I started to, um, I had semi-retired Frankie. And I thought, you know, I think there's a story here, you know, about what Frankie taught me. And just another part of her legacy. And 
I share my journey of how I really became to live a more authentic life and live the life that I want to live instead of, you know, always following the rules of what society, and I say rules with, you know, air quotations, how society defines we should live our life. And it's about my journey, about things that caused me great anxiety and the decisions that I made and how Frankie taught me to see my challenges in a positive way and to look for the blessings. And um, so that's what that book is about, about my journey the last 10 years. And not only what I learned from Frankie, but a previous dog that I had actually began my career as a writer. And then it just goes through all the different, how I became stronger and who I am and who I like myself a lot better now, which I really learned from little Frankie. If I wanted to buy a copy of the book, where would I go? You can go to any online bookstore like Amazon or Barnes & Noble. You can ask your bookstore to order it, or you can also order it through my website at joyfulpause.com. I ask each of my guests this question, Barb. With all the human misery in the world, how can you justify spending time, money, and other resources on animals? Yeah, wow. That is a powerful question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really had to think about that, and that is a, you know, that's a very valid question, and I thought, well, you know, I can only speak to this personally and to say, you know, how much I have changed as a person because of my work and my mission with Frankie. And because of that work, I've become a much more compassionate person than I was before. Not that I wasn't, but I'm deeply, deeply more compassionate now. And not only with dogs, but that compassion is spilled over into human beings, which I think is so important that, you know, what we learn from our dogs, we share with our fellow humankind. And part of my Frank was work with Frankie is when she was a therapy dog. And, you know, if I hadn't taken the time and the money and, and trained her to be a therapy dog, you know, she was able to touch so many lives in six years. You know, we visited a local hospital and assisted living facility and hospice. And, you know, those people are, were in need and in hospice, those people were dying. And here was this little dog who was trained to come in and just give joy and love, and even if it was only a few moments. Somebody who was in misery, she took away their pain for a few moments. And I just really, truly believe that dogs are so valuable to us as humans, and if we're open to the lessons that they're going to teach us, it's our job then to take what we've learned and to share that compassion and hopefully alleviate some of the human misery that we have in the world today. Well, that's a great answer. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the picture of Frankie on your website. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I can really understand what you mean about how she touched people. Because just looking at her eyes in the picture, I mean, mm-hmm. I can just imagine her coming in and walking by somebody in a nursing home with a disability. And here's this little doxy, you know, with these beautiful, beautiful eyes and coming right by and saying, look at me, I'm doing okay. Did you get that impression? Yep, that's exactly it. She did that so many times, and it was just, it was such a joy to be able to witness that time and time again and see her make a difference in, in other people's lives that were in need. Okay, so Joyful Paws is your primary website, is that right? That's right, and it's paws like dog paws. I gotta always specify that joyfulpaws.com. And then Walk and Roll Dog Day, is there a website for that, or do I find information about that at your website? You can find it on, there is a link on my website, but I also do have a website for National Walk and Roll Dog Day. And again, it's National Walk, the letter N, Roll Dog Day, National Walk and Roll Dog Day. And that's where you can learn also about the Frankie Wheelchair Fund. 
in case you need to apply. Um, there's an application form online, or if anybody's interested in contributing to the fund, we are always open to that as well. Okay, and is that where someone would go if they were trying to find some help uh, because they might have a uh, dog that needs a wheelchair and, and might be financially stressed? Yes, absolutely. Or my website, they can email me. Um, I'm always happy to try and guide people and, and help anybody who is, is looking for a wheelchair for their dog. If I can't help them, you know, I do have certain stipulations with the fund. If I can't help them, I do have other resources I can refer them to. And then as far as uh, disc disease, I am always more than willing to talk to anybody by phone or email just to give them hope and then to provide them with resources as well. I want to ask you a general question about doxies because mm-hmm. I know some people have the impression that they can be a little persnippity or maybe high-strung <laughs> or, or aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've heard that before, and I've had three dachshunds now, and all of them were very, very sweet. I've been very, I don't even want to say lucky because I sort of believe, I mean, I do believe that, you know, it's the environment that they're brought up in that helps them be the dog they're going to be, you know. On the other hand, I must say, I did have a little dachshund that I used to care for um, when their when their owners would go out of town, and he was a great dog, don't get me wrong, but he was not quite as sweet as my three dachshunds, and when he walked in the house, I have a big uh, yellow lab, when I walked in the house, um, that lab just sat there and <laughs> didn't move because Kirby was here and he knew it. And not that Kirby was, you know, he wasn't vicious or anything, but you just knew he, he could hold his own. You could just tell. And But yeah, I've heard that too with dachshunds, but I've never really experienced that so far in my life with them. I just think they're the, the most loyal, funny, sweet dogs I've ever, ever encountered. And I hope I can always have one in my life because I think they're pretty neat. Well, you know, one reason, and I think an important reason, is that uh, little dogs sort of reflect who they've been with. And if you're calm and, and easygoing mm-hmm. and, and don't cause them a lot of stress, they're much more apt to be, uh, I think, more sociable. But if you're, I don't want to say mistreat them, but if a person is uh, in a, or the dog's in a stressful household where there's maybe yeah. children running around, I mean, the guy, how much does a dachshund weigh? I mean, he's got to put his uh, protective gear on or he may think. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, it's funny because a dachshund, really, you think they're a German shepherd, you know, the way they let you know that they're there. But they have to, like you said, because they're small. And I do believe, I truly believe there's something to that, too, about the, if you've had a stressful household, that, of course, it's going to cause stress on your dog. I mean, that just works that way. And, you know, I really, like, came to, like, understand that a little bit more, too. Like, when with Frankie, one of the things with disc disease is um, a lot of times they don't have control of their bladder. So I had to learn how to express Frankie's bladder. That was stressful at the beginning. But what I realized that when I was calm and I didn't get upset about it, like, was I'm gonna, can I, am I going to be able to do this? I hope I can do this, you know. She would be calm as well, and everything would work out just fine. So I did realize that the more calm I am, my dogs are calm. And it just seems to make sense. It really does, doesn't it? And, you know, it's great talking to you, but we've run out of time. The time has really gone so fast. And uh, I want to thank you so much for, for being with us today, Barb. 
Well, thank you for the opportunity to continue my uh, mission, which is so important to me. I, I'm really grateful for it. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And Max A. Pooch, thanks you for the work you're doing and the inspiration oh. you provide. And thanks you're an awesome animal advocate and gives you five big tail wagging wolves. Again, one last time, your website is joyfulpause.com. Again, thank you very much. We want to thank you, our listeners, for spending your valuable time with us. You're all fantastic, and we hope you tell your friends about awesome animal advocates. And a special thanks to Mark Winter, co-founder and executive producer of Pet Life Radio, and our sponsors for making this episode of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates possible. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Max A. Pooch's Awesome Animal Advocates, saying thank you to all those animal advocates who work so hard on behalf of those who can't speak for themselves. Max A. Pooch gives them five big tail-wagging woofs. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.